the law school of america in united states and canadian law competence concerns the mental capacity of an individual to participate in legal proceedings or transactions and the mental condition a person must have to be responsible for his or her decisions or acts competence is an attribute that is decision specific Depending on various factors which typically revolve around mental function integrity, an individual may or may not be competent to make a particular medical decision, a particular contractual agreement, to execute an effective deed to real property, or to execute a will having certain terms. Depending on the state, a guardian or conservator may be appointed by a court for a person who satisfies the state's tests for general incompetence, and the guardian or conservator exercises the incompetence rights for the incompetent. Defendants who do not possess sufficient competence are usually excluded from criminal prosecution, while witnesses found not to possess requisite competence cannot testify. The English equivalent is fitness to plead. United States. The word incompetent is used to describe persons who should not undergo or partake in certain judicial processes, and also for those who lack mental capacity to make contracts, handle their financial and other personal matters such as consenting to medical treatment etc. and need a legal guardian to handle their affairs. Competence to stand trial. In United States law, the right to not be prosecuted while one is incompetent to stand trial has been ruled by the United States Supreme Court to be guaranteed under the Due Process Clause. If the court determines that a defendant's mental condition makes him unable to understand the proceedings, or that he is unable to help in his defense, he is found incompetent. The competency evaluation, as determined in Dusky v. United States, is whether the accused has sufficient present ability to consult with his lawyer with a reasonable degree of rational understanding, and whether he has a rational as well as factual understanding of the proceedings against him. Being determined incompetent is substantially different from undertaking an insanity defense. Competence regards the defendant's state of mind at the time of the trial, while insanity regards his state of mind at the time of the crime. In New York a hearing on competence to stand trial may be referred to as a 730 exam, after the law that governs the conduct of the exam, New York CPL SEC. 730. In 2006, the United States Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit considered the legal standards for determining competence to stand trial and to waive counsel using the standards of objective unreasonableness under the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act. A ruling of incompetence may later be reversed. A defendant may recover from a mental illness or disability, and a court may require a defendant to undergo treatment in an effort to render the defendant competent to stand trial. For example, in 1989, Kenneth L. Curtis of Stratford, Connecticut was found mentally incompetent to stand trial following the murder of his estranged girlfriend. But years later, as he had attended college and received good grades, this ruling was reversed, and he was ordered to stand trial. Competence to be executed. An inmate on death row has a right to be evaluated for competency by a psychologist to determine if sentence can be carried out. This is a result of Ford v. Wainwright, a case filed by a Florida inmate on death row who took his case to the United States Supreme Court, declaring he was not competent to be executed. The court ruled in his favor, stating that a forensic professional must make that competency evaluation and, if the inmate is found incompetent, must provide treatment to aid in his gaining competency so the execution can take place. Competence to enter into a contract. Generally, in the United States, a person has the capacity or competence to make the decision to enter into a contract if the person has the ability to understand and appreciate, to the extent relevant, all of the following, a, the rights, duties, and responsibilities created by, or affected by the decision. 
b. The probable consequences for the decision-maker and, where appropriate, the persons affected by the decision. c. The significant risks, benefits, and reasonable alternatives involved in the decision. c. For example, California Probate Code Section A12. Competence in Native Americans. Competency was used to determine whether individual Native Americans could use land that was allotted to them from the General Allotment Act, GAA, also known as the Dawes Act. The practice was used after in 1906 with the passing of the Burke Act, also known as the Forced Patenting Act. This act further amended the GAA to give the Secretary of the Interior the power to issue allottees a patent and fee simple to people classified competent and capable. The criteria for this determination is unclear but meant that allottees deemed competent by the Secretary of the Interior would have their land taken out of trust status, subject to taxation, and could be sold by the allottee. The Act of June 25, 1910 further amends the GAA to give the Secretary of the Interior the power to sell the land of deceased allottees or issue patent and fee to legal heirs. This decision is based on a determination made by the Secretary of Interior whether the legal heirs are competent or incompetent to manage their own affairs. Competency Case Law Adjudicative competence has been developed through a body of common law in the United States. The landmark cases are as follows. Duskie v. United States, 1960. Jackson v. Indiana, 1972. Drope v. Missouri, 1975. Ford v. Wainwright, 1986. Cadenas v. Moran, 1993. Pate v. Robinson, 1966. Estelle v. Smith, 1981. Medina v. California, 1992. Reagans v. Nevada, 1992. Cooper v. Oklahoma, 1996, and Selvi United States, 2003. United Kingdom. In the laws of England and Wales, Scotland, and Ireland, the term fitness to plead is used, as in designating a person unfit to plead. The concept is identical to competence, although detailed law differs. In the law of evidence, similar fact evidence, or the similar fact principle, establishes the conditions under which factual evidence of past misconduct of the accused can be admitted at trial for the purpose of inferring that the accused committed the misconduct at issue. By jurisdiction. United States. Under Rule 404 of the United States Federal Rules of Evidence, evidence of a person's character or character trait is not admissible to prove that on a particular occasion the person acted in accordance with the character or trait. Additionally, evidence of a crime, wrong, or other act is not admissible to prove a person's character in order to show that on a particular occasion the person acted in accordance with the character. This evidence may be admissible for another purpose, such as proving motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, identity, absence of mistake, or lack of accident. Canada. In Canada, the rule is established in R. V. Handy, 2002. Evidence of prior bad acts by the accused will be admissible if the prosecution satisfies the judge on a balance of probabilities that, in the context of the particular case, the probative value of the evidence in relation to a specific issue outweighs its potential prejudice and thereby justifies its reception. Questions arise as to how the court will measure the elements of this rule. 1. What constitutes a prior act of misconduct? Any past misdeed does not have to be proven as a conviction. 2. Why does the court speak of evidence in relation to a specific issue? Good measure of probity, what other issue beyond disposition or propensity evidence? 3. How is probative value determined? Nature of similarity between details, distinctive features and circumstances of past act and current offense. 
proximity in time between past act and current offense. Number of occurrences of the similar acts. Any intervening event. Any other factor tending to support or rebut the unity of past act and conduct in question, for example, appearance of collusion England and Wales. The 2001 trial of Roy Whiting may have influenced the decision to change the law in England and Wales, R.V. Handy continues to govern a law in Canada. These changes were brought into force by the bad character provisions of the Criminal Justice Act 2003, sections 98 to 113. Although preceding these changes, Rosemary West's 1995 trial has also been cited as an example where similar fact evidence was crucial to the prosecution case. Similar fact evidence can be used even if the original misconduct could not be prosecuted due to duress or the offender's youth. In a case of a Devon family imprisoned in 1998, one of the defendants appealed his conviction for raping his sister at the age of 16, suggesting it was unlikely that she would not complain or seek help. It was held that the evidence that his father had coerced him into sexual acts with his other sisters as a child was similar fact evidence and, in addition to the systematic long-term sexual activity and abuse within the family, sufficient to explain why he felt that he could get away with abusing her and knew she could not rely on her family for protection, his appeal failed. New Zealand In New Zealand, the rules regarding similar fact evidence are codified by Section 43 of the Evidence Act 2006. Scotland under Scots law, this is covered by the well-established use of the Moroff Doctrine. The Law School of America Habit evidence is a term used in the law of evidence in the United States to describe any evidence submitted for the purpose of proving that a person acted in a particular way on a particular occasion based on that person's tendency to reflexively respond to a particular situation in a particular way. Habit evidence must be distinguished from character evidence, which seeks to show that a person behaved in a particular way on a particular occasion based on that person's prior bad acts, or based on the opinion of a witness, or based on that person's reputation in the community. Such character evidence is generally inadmissible. Federal Rule of Evidence 406 states, evidence of the habit of a person or of the routine practice of an organization, whether corroborated or not and regardless of the presence of an eyewitness, is relevant to prove that the conduct of the person or organization on a particular occasion was in conformity with the habit or routine practice. For example, suppose there was a bar called Study Hall located near a college campus. Happy Hour Joe is the nickname of the regular patron of this bar, and he frequents the bar every day, Monday through Friday, at approximately 5.30 p.m. on his way home from work. Joe typically has one or two beers, and then leaves. A party could introduce this evidence of habit if the party wanted to show it was more probable that Joe is at study hall on Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. A party could also introduce the evidence if the party wanted to show it was more probable that, on his way home Wednesday at 6 p.m., Joe had been drinking. However, the evidence could not be introduced to show that happy hour Joe is an alcoholic, or that he is a careless driver. That would be character evidence. Character evidence is a term used in the law of evidence to describe any testimony or document submitted for the purpose of proving that a person acted in a particular way on a particular occasion based on the character or disposition of that person. In the United States, Federal Rule of Evidence 404 maps out its permissible and prohibited uses in trials. Three factors typically determine the admissibility of character evidence. 1. The purpose the character evidence is being used for. Two. The form in which the character evidence is offered. 3. The type of proceeding, civil or criminal, in which the character evidence is offered. Purpose. In the United States, character evidence may be offered at trial to 1. Prove character, 
if character is a substantive issue in the litigation. Admissibility of character evidence to prove character is not affected by the case's civil or criminal nature. 2. Proof, through circumstantial evidence, an aspect of an individual's conduct. Character evidence is admissibility as circumstantial evidence is influenced by the case's civil or criminal nature. 3. Impeach or strengthen the credibility of a witness. Character may be a substantive issue in defamation suits, in lawsuits alleging negligent hiring or negligent entrustment, in child custody cases, as well as in loss of consortium cases. Character evidence is thus admissible to prove the substantive issues that arise in these types of lawsuits. If used as circumstantial evidence, FRE 404A, 1, renders inadmissible character evidence offered to prove that an individual acted in accordance with a character or trait on a particular occasion. It lists several exceptions which apply depending on whether the proceeding is civil or criminal, whether the defense or prosecution is offering the character evidence, and what purpose it is being offered for. Form. Character evidence may be offered, depending on the type of proceeding, party offering, and purported purpose, explained below, in three forms. 1. As opinion. 2. As reputation evidence, and. 3. As evidence of specific instances of conduct. Type of proceeding. Civil trial. In the majority of U.S. jurisdictions, character evidence is inadmissible in civil suits when being used as circumstantial evidence to prove that a person acted in conformity with their character. It is considered to be an unfair basis from which to attempt to prove that an individual behaved in a particular way on a particular occasion. Another way of looking at this is that character evidence is only admissible in a majority of jurisdictions in a civil trial if character is actually a substantive issue in the case, negligent hiring, negligent entrustment, child custody cases, loss of consortium cases, or to impeach a witness. A minority of U.S. jurisdictions, however, permit defendants in assault and battery and fraudulent misconduct civil cases to introduce character evidence as circumstantial evidence to prove that a person acted in conformity with their character. Criminal trial. Character evidence offered by the prosecution. In the United States, character evidence is inadmissible in a criminal trial if first offered by the prosecution as circumstantial evidence to show that a defendant is likely to have committed the crime with which he or she is charged. The prosecution may not, in other words, initiate character evidence that shows defendant's propensity to commit a crime. However the prosecution may introduce character evidence for certain limited purposes after the defendant does so, after the defendant has opened the door through the permissible methods and purposes explained below in character evidence offered by the defendant, to rebut what defendant tried showing through character evidence, and to offer evidence of the defendant's same trait. FRE 404 in addition to dictating character evidence is permissible use in federal courts, also bars the prosecution's admission of crimes, wrongs, or other acts to prove the character of a person in order to show action in conformity therewith, propensity. Evidence of other crimes, wrongs or acts is available for non-character purposes, such as motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, identity, or absence of mistake or accident. In a criminal prosecution, the defendant can request to receive notice of this type of evidence if the prosecution intends to admit it at trial. Note that under California Evidence Code, in addition to proving mimic elements, the prosecution may admit evidence of a victim's prior sexual conduct in a case brought for an unlawful sexual act or attempted unlawful sexual act, to show that the defendant did not reasonably and in good faith believe that the victim consented. Character Evidence Offered by the Defendant 
Character evidence is admissible in a criminal trial if offered by a defendant as circumstantial evidence, through reputation or opinion evidence, to show their own character, as long as the character evidence the defendant seeks to introduce is relevant to the crime with which the defendant is charged. For example, if a defendant is charged with a crime involving dishonesty, the defendant may introduce evidence tending to show the defendant's honest character. If a defendant is charged with a violent crime, the defendant may introduce evidence tending to show the defendant's peaceful character. Note that under Sex Section 1102, a defendant may not only introduce evidence of a trait of his character that is relevant to the crime with which he or she is charged, but may also introduce character evidence of the defendant's character generally. Character evidence is also admissible in a criminal trial if offered by a defendant as circumstantial evidence, through reputation or opinion evidence, to show an alleged victim's pertinent character trait, for example, to support defendant's claim of self-defense to a charge of homicide. After a criminal defendant introduces evidence of the victim's character, the prosecution may then introduce its own character evidence to rebut the defendant's character evidence by showing its side's impression of the victim's character, or to attack the character of the defendant through evidence that shows that defendant had the same character trait he or she accused the victim of having. Note that under Sex Section 1103A, a defendant may not only introduce evidence of a victim's character or character trait through reputation or opinion evidence, as permitted under FRE 404, but also through evidence of specific acts. The admissibility of character evidence to allow defendant to prove the character trait of a victim is limited, however, if the lawsuit is for rape or assault with the intent to commit rape. If the reputation or opinion evidence is being offered by the defendant to show the rape victim's past sexual conduct, character evidence is inadmissible. In such sexual misconduct cases, a defendant may offer evidence of specific instances of a victim's sexual behavior only to show that someone other than the defendant was the source of semen, injury, or other physical evidence, or to show that the victim had consented to sexual behavior with the defendant. Note that under Sex Section 1103c, 1. Reputation opinion, and specific acts evidence are all barred if defendant seeks to introduce the evidence to show the sexual character of the victim, but evidence of the victim's sexual conduct with the defendant, for example, specific acts, may be used by defendant to show that the victim consented to the sexual act. Character Witness Commentators have noted that the ability of defendants to call character witnesses can give an advantage to more affluent defendants. Affluent defendants can call as character witnesses celebrities, athletes, and prominent members of the community. In contrast, it would be neither advisable nor beneficial to a defendant to call to the stand a disreputable fellow inmate as a character witness. Distinguished from habit evidence. Character evidence must be distinguished from habit evidence, which is generally admissible, and which is evidence submitted for the purpose of proving that an individual acted in a particular way on a particular occasion in question based on that person's tendency to reflexively respond to a particular situation in a particular way. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. Mm-hmm.